This is TCE number 53, Objective Standards for Modesty. TCE stands for Theology and Current Events. Again, today is the Objective Standards for Modesty. You know, the three most common erroneous attitudes I see on this topic of modesty, even among American conservative women, is these three. One, modesty is subjective according to culture. Two, I'm not as bad as that group of women, so God is okay with me. And three, it's not my fault what men do with their thoughts. Of course, most people's attitude is a little bit more mature than that, but that's just how I would summarize those three. So there's a small booklet I'm going to link in the show notes that answers all three of those, and I'm going to give you a little taste of it in today's podcast, a taste of that book. The small booklet is called The Merry Like Modesty Handbook. When a listener in the UK offered it to me, I wasn't too interested. She sent it anyway. It sat on my bookshelf for months. And I finally passed, picked it up this past week, and I found it is worth its weight in gold. So again, the three bad attitudes even conservative Catholic women have on modesty go like this. One, modesty is subjective according to culture. Two, I'm not as bad as that group of women, so God is okay with me. And three, it's not my fault what men do with their thoughts. Again, most of the people's reasoning is a little bit more mature than that, but that's just my summary. So this booklet I'm going to read some small sections to you from, it disproves that, disproves those three errors, rather, with objective statements from the Magisterium and Private Revelation. This booklet the Mary-like Modesty Handbook. It would probably take you about 30 minutes to read. As you can see, my podcast is a lot shorter than that today. And that's because I'm just going to give you a little taste of what's important in that book. So first, I'm going to read you the standards. And then I'm going to read you by what authority the church has said this and answer some common objections also found within that little booklet. Chapter 3, The Mary-like Standards for Modesty and Dress. What are the Mary-like standards? The Cardinal Vicar of Pope Pius XI said, quote, A dress cannot be called decent, which is cut deeper than two fingers' breadth under the pit of the throat, which does not cover the arms at least to the elbows and scarcely reaches a bit beyond the knees. Furthermore, dresses of transparent material are improper, end quote. Number one, Mary-like is modest without compromise, like Mary, Christ's mother. Number two, Mary-like dresses have sleeves extending to at least the elbows and skirts reaching beyond the knees. Acceptable Mary-like standards have been revealed in many private revelations since 1917 throughout the world. One of these standards is the dress or skirt should be at least three inches below the bottom of the knee. Our Blessed Mother was very specific in one of these private revelations commenting that when a woman sits down, her dress or skirt should cover her knees with the requested three inches. Number three, Mary-like dress requires full coverage of the body, chest, shoulders, and back, except for a cutout of the neck not exceeding two inches below the neckline in front and in the back, and a corresponding two inches on the shoulders. Number four, Mary-like dresses do not admit as modest coverage transparent fabrics, laces, nets, nylons, unless sufficient backing is added. However, their moderate use as trimmings is acceptable. Number five, Mary-like dresses avoid the improper use of flesh-colored fabrics. Number six, Mary-like dresses conceal rather than reveal the figure of the wearer. They do not emphasize unduly parts of the body. 
Number seven, Mary-like dresses provide full coverage even after jacket, cape, or stole are removed and after assuming a sitting position. Is there any special reason for emphasizing purity and modesty? Yes, Pope Pius XII has asserted, mainly through sins of impurity do the forces of darkness subjugate souls. This same message was given by Our Lady of Fatima in similar words, the sins that lead most souls to hell are the sins of the flesh. Following a general breakdown of modesty, impurity has become the ruling passion of the world. It is like a spiritual cancer, slowly eating away the spiritual life and souls. It has brought the world to the brink of another Sodom and Gomorrah, this time on a worldwide scale. We are facing the threat of the greatest catastrophe since the deluge, says Pope Pius XII. Is woman then considered something evil, something to be avoided? No, but this question is entirely beside the point. Her degree of goodness depends on how faithfully she carries out her God-given role as man's helpmate rather than his temptress. By her modesty, she can use her charm to tame the passions of man. By her immodesty, her beauty becomes a stumbling block to man. This makes women the guardians of chastity in the world. This is why God has given woman a much more delicate sense of modesty than man, not only to protect her own integrity, but also to protect man against the fury of his passions. When woman is, when woman is modest, man has only himself to blame if he succumbs to the temptation of the flesh. But when she decides to display parts of her body which should be covered, she becomes a seducer, and she shares in the guilt of the man. In fact, theology teaches that the sin of the seducer is far greater than that of the seduced person. Do parents share the blame for this sad state of affairs? Yes, very much so. Many girls want to dress modestly only to have the vain and foolish mothers discourage them and often even block them. Take to heart the serious admonition of Pope Pius XII. O Christian mothers, if only you knew the future of distress and peril, of shame ill-restrained that you prepare for your sons and daughters in imprudently accustoming, accustoming them to live hardly clothed and in making them lose the sense of modesty, you would be ashamed of yourselves and of the harm done the little ones whom heaven entrusted to your care to be reared in Christian dignity and culture. Can it be so wrong to wear such garments as abbreviated shorts or strapless gowns when everyone else is doing it? In the first place, it is not true that everyone else is doing it. It is a gross exaggeration. Many modest women still dare to be different from the crowd. Even if it were true, it is based on still another sophism. Sin remains sin if only one person in a million is avoiding the wrongdoing. There is no safety in numbers. The only thing that counts is how God judges the modesty or immodesty of one's attire. How do we know that the church approves? Has she given specific standards of modesty and dress? Yes, the church has issued specific standards, but they were almost completely ignored by our liberal press so that we were unable to fully establish their authenticity until 1965, more than 35 years after their publication. We are indebted to Father Jesus Cavana of the Filipino College in Rome for discovering them in the Bulletin of the Roman Clergy issue of October 1928. Father Cavana graciously sent us a translation of the document containing the standards of modesty dated the 24th of September, 1928, which we proceed to publish. The discovery of this missing link 
enables us now to publish a fully authenticated history of the Roman standards. We give here only the bare essentials. Number one, on the 15th of August, 1928, Pope Pius XI, in the Constitutorial Chamber, quote, denounced once again the danger of immodest dress, which by its seductive fascination threatens so many unwary souls, end quote. On August 23rd, only eight days later, the Holy Father ordered the Sacred Congregation of the Council to issue a very strongly worded letter to all the bishops of Italy inaugurating a crusade against immodest fashions. The bishops were to communicate the specific injunctions of this letter to be enforced in all schools, academies, Sunday schools, and laboratories directed by female religious to ensure perfect conformity of conduct among all institutes of female religious in the diocese. To ensure such conformity, Pius XI, on the 24th of September, 1928, only one month later, ordered the sacred congregation of religious to issue another letter on the crusade against immodest fashions. It was in this letter that the following standards were prescribed. Quote, We recall that a dress cannot be called modest, which is cut deeper than two fingers' breadth under the pit of the throat, which does not cover the arms at least to the elbows and scarcely reaches a bit beyond the knees. Furthermore, dresses of transparent material are improper, end quote. But these letters were directed to the churches in Italy. How do they bind us outside of Italy? Answer, they are binding throughout the world because Pope Pius XI extended this same crusade for modesty to the whole world. By his mandate, the Sacred Council issued a letter with a special instruction to all the bishops of the world on the 12th of January, 1930. These instructions were essentially the same as those given to the bishops of Italy, but they went even further. Not only were they directed to sisters and their schools as institutions as in Italy, but they were extended to include also pastors, parents, and the laity in general. Why were these standards not made known in North America? Not only were they made known in North America, but they were posted for years in the vestibules of many churches. Further, a League of Modesty was formed in Chicago, Illinois, as directed in these instructions on the 12th of January, 1930, to promote these standards given by the Cardinal Vicar of Rome. In 1935, this league issued a folder with the imprimatur of his eminence, George Cardinal Mundelein, in which these standards were incorporated. The Central Bureau of St. Louis also distributed large quantities of free folders containing the 1930 circular of the Sacred Council calling for a worldwide crusade for modesty and dress. Times have changed. Are the 1930 standards not long outmoded? Times and customs may change, but God's laws never change or become outmoded. Neither does concupiscence change. Pope Pius XII said, quote, There always exists an absolute norm to be preserved, no matter how broad and changeable the relative morals of styles may be. End quote. The standards of 1930 have not been changed. If there are any future adaptations allowable because of peculiar circumstances, this is not a question to be decided by individual Catholics, but by the authority that issued the standards, the Pope or the Sacred Council. This is an agreement with the stand taken by His Eminence Rufino Cardinal Santos, Archbishop of Manila, on the 6th of December, 1959. On that date was issued a lengthy and masterful pastoral letter to confirm once more and declare in full vigor in our Archdiocese what the Holy Father and the Catholic hierarchy have stated on different occasions. The Cardinal then repeats the Church's stand concerning modesty and dress by quoting the standards set by Pope Pius XI 
a dress cannot be called decent, which is cut deeper than two fingers breadth under the pit of the throat, which does not cover the arms, at least to the elbows, and scarcely reaches a bit beyond the knees. Furthermore, dresses of transparent material are improper. Now, this little booklet does not tackle yoga pants because I think the author just thought that was so far beyond what anyone reading this booklet who's concerned with getting their kids to heaven could ever put on themselves or their daughters. But this next section is probably the closest prohibition to yoga pants that you'll hear in this little booklet. Do the Mary-like standards apply also to athletic and gym suits? Yes, the Holy Father has insisted that girls be fully dressed for games and contests in the special instructions of the 12th of January, 1930. Quote, Let parents keep their daughters from public gymnastics games and contests, but if their daughters are compelled to attend such exhibitions, let them see that they be fully and modestly dressed. Let them never permit their daughters to don immodest garb. End quote. The booklet continues, all orders from Rome notwithstanding, the gym suits in most Catholic schools are scandalous in their scantiness, and anything but a credit to our Catholic school system in which the Pope commands that, quote, the superioresses and teachers do their utmost to instill love of modesty in the hearts of maidens confided to their care and urge them to dress modestly. To such an extent had even our Catholic schools begun to ape pagan fashions that by 1956, Mary-like gym suits were no longer available on the market, having been labeled as impractical or an impediment to effective sports play. Okay, that's about it today for the quotes from the booklet. Again, I am going to link that small booklet called The Mary-like Modesty Handbook in the show notes. I'm going to personally order many of them for friends and family. Of course, nobody's giving me any money to say all this. I get no royalties for that book. I just felt called to promote it on my podcast. And it's only $4 at the St. Jerome Library, again in the show notes. May God bless you and keep you. May you strive for the modesty-like standards of St. Mary or St. Joseph. And please pray that I may practice what I preach.